Hey, this is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And if you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsis. He's prepared to ignite. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront some obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's time to adapt in our fast-moving world, and I want to welcome you to today's episode. And today's episode is another mashup that I'm bringing to you based on some of our guests that we've had over the previous uh, episodes. As you know, and if you've been listening to the mashups, we've been going for just about 10 months now, and we've had tremendous support, tremendous feedback from people, and uh, it's been wonderful. What we would really appreciate is if you would actually put a review and a rating on the episodes. That actually helps a lot with the podcast and its ranking, which means a lot more people get to see the podcast, and they start to listen to it. And in turn, what happens is that we have a lot of leaders who are being developed and learning a lot from the different episodes. Hey, if you haven't already checked out episode 00, go to it. That's my story. Just a small introduction to the podcast and the reasons why I started the episodes or uh, the podcast itself. Hey, we have a Facebook group and a LinkedIn page called Leadership is Changing. We would love for you to come along and join us in those uh, different platforms and those different forums. So I'd love to see you there. And so today, I'm going to bring you a mashup again, and it's with three superb guests that I've had on the podcast before. Alex Vincent, who is Dr. Alex Vincent, uh, who's worked in the leadership space a lot around the world. Denise Reed Lamoureux, who has worked in a global organization. ATOS is the organization, and uh, Denise shares some wonderful wisdoms as well. And Kevin Bonfield is the CEO of uh, Consenta, which is really a consulting firm as well. And uh, he's uh, actually going to be sharing his thoughts as well. Now, Alex was episode 19, Denise was episode 20, and Kevin was episode 22. Once again, I've asked him the question that the show or the title of the show is called Leadership is Changing. When I say that to you, what does it mean? So we have three superb guests. Sit back, relax, take notes, and listen to the wonderful insights and wisdom that our guests share with us. Hey, Alex, that's great. So, you know, the show is called Leadership is Changing. And when I say that statement, what, what does that mean for you? Well, it's a little bit, you know, what I've pointed to. So I think, 
I think leadership has evolved at least since I've been thinking about it and writing about it and working through it. And I think now, I think, and I think leadership has changed and I think it's continuing to change. So, you know, like I mentioned, if, if we go back, it was, okay, who's, who's the perfect leader? Let's, you know, let's find what the characteristics are and let's emulate those characteristics. We found eh, that doesn't work. In fact, all of us can be great leaders if we find what's part of our DNA, if you will, our, D, our DNA leadership, and we can learn to be great leaders. So it's actually learned behavior. So you're not born with it. You can actually work on stuff and become better, right? So that was the whole debate. And I think it's evolved over time where it was, you know, leaders were the taskmaster and I got to be tough on people because that's going to give me the best out of them. And that kind of worked for a while in the context that that started to appear. And you can think about sports where they kind of emulated each other for a while. And then they started to realize that, no, no, the way to motivate people and the way to get the best out of people is to actually give them positive feedback, like what's working well, what are their strengths? Let's, you know, the whole build on your strengths movement, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that kind of led to a change. Now what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing is now the vulnerability is coming into the equation. The authenticity is coming. It's been, it was kind of in the background, right? We had Jack Ma of Alibaba fame talking about that EQ was always way more important than IQ, right? So that started to kind of come out being more vulnerable, being more authentic. And now more recently, so this is a more recent phenomenon, and I think maybe a little bit before COVID, but it's really sort of come up really since, is we actually need leaders that show way more empathy and way more compassion. And the reason why that's important is because there's actually a great equation that I saw in a book by Norman Fisher. So I highly recommend reading Norman Fisher. He's actually a really interesting person. And what he talks about is to really understand another person. And I think that's part of connecting with somebody, right? You really have to understand them. And I think to be an effective leader, you have to understand the people you lead, right? And there's a whole bunch, there's movies where we see that, there's TV shows, and then leaders that are effective, they really understand the people that they work with. And the two components of understanding, one is empathy. So I need to understand what you're going through, and I need to kind of put myself in your shoes and really kind of get a sense of, hmm, What's it like for Dennis to be in this role in this organization and to really understand that? But on top of so empathy isn't enough, right? Because we spent a lot of time on EQ is, is really a, a lot about empathy, right? And what Norman Fisher is saying, yeah, that's necessary, but not su- sufficient. What you need on top of empathy is compassion. You actually mm-hmm. need to care about what they're going through and you actually need to care about how Dennis feels about what he's going through. So not just understand what you're going through, but also care about you as you're going through it and actually care about how you feel about it, whether you're excited or whether you're challenged or whether you're frustrated. And those two things, and I've just written about that, the article just came out this week, on creating a culture of empathy and compassion, which is actually a big component of psychological safety, which I've been writing about recently and thinking about. So how do we create an environment where leaders are empathetic and compassionate, but where all people are? So you create a culture of empathy and compassion, because I think that's what's going to get the best out of people. And yet, we haven't really talked about it. I mean, we we talk about it and think about it in very different contexts, but we don't talk about it or think about it or try to live it 
in organizational context because it's it's all about numbers. It's all about you know, you think, 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 think. And now it's like, no, you got to bring your heart. You got to bring compassion. You got to bring empathy. And they're going, one of the great quotes is when I, when I sort of mentioned this to some clients and, uh, you know, one person said, Alex, I'm an engineer. I don't know about empathy or compassion, but I realize that this is important and I need, you know, and, and I need to start doing something about it because we never really talk about it or think about it. So I think it has changed. And I think now it's it's going into this dimension, which is much more humanistic and much more sort of person to person and really connecting at that compassion level. I think it's amazing, but I think it's it's what's calling us moving forward. Yeah, and I remember just a few years ago working with a leadership team of executives, more around the research and development side side of things for an organization. And these guys, in 10 years, had never, ever got together face-to-face as a leadership team. Why? Because their executive vice president said, because we are engineers, we're not leaders. And so the new executive vice president brought them together, just based on what you're saying there, Alex, is so true, so important. So... A organization that doesn't have the, the compassion and the empathy, and, and maybe if we think about the pandemic that people have gone through, I, I think those leaders who have shown it versus those leaders that haven't shown it, well, have you seen anything like that? And, and what's been sort of like the response of people who do show it and those who haven't shown it, in particular through the, the times of pandemic? Well, I think that's that's a really good question. So I think what's What's happened is, you know, when things were going really, really well, right, we've known, you know, growth for the past many years. This was across industries, across different regions of the globe. Leaders could get away with being okay. You know, Mm -hmm. I could be an okay leader and still be effective because the results are going to be there, going, we're going to do well. Then when the, when the pandemic hit, it required things that were really, really different from leaders because all of a sudden people were working from home. And all of a sudden, the people's personal context started to appear in their work context because they weren't physically separated. And then I was hearing from leaders, it's like, Alex, I'm having conversations about people's family life, which I never heard about before. But now I'm not just talking about it because I'm actually seeing a little bit of it on video. I'm actually seeing a little bit of it. And now they're talking to me about their challenges they're facing on their on the home front, the kids being home all the time, maybe family members that are ill, or maybe they had ill parents, and now it's a lot more concerning. They actually they actually started to see that if they didn't have the empathy and the compassion going in, it was actually being required of them more and more by their team members. And they're saying, I'm realizing I'm being asked something of me that was never asked of me before. And I'm not quite sure how to how to bring this out, but it's being required of me moving forward. And I think those that were able to realize it and started to work on it, being more vulnerable, being more authentic, being more empathetic, started to become more effective. And those that didn't see it and didn't adjust started to become less effective. Wow. And the organizations are now seeing the leaders that are really rising to the occasion and the leaders that are kind of floundering. And, yeah. and they can be in the same organizations and they're starting to notice those that are able to bring it because all of a sudden it's being asked of them and they kind of had it in them, but it was never required of them. And those that don't have in it, don't really care and aren't bringing it. And so they're starting to flounder. And so it's becoming way more obvious 
which direction their leaders are going in. And there will be leaders that will actually grow through this and actually become better leaders. And those that were kind of okay, they're actually going downhill. It's actually not not going in a positive direction for them. And now there's no place to hide as, no. as a leader. You can't hide in any of this. Yeah, so it's a good question uh, that you put on the table, Dennis. Uh, it's interesting because, I mean, it's it's almost like they've gone into a virtual world and we're having to use Zoom or cameras and things like that now to see each other. So it's almost like we've gone away from each other into a virtual scenario to let the guard down, yes. which is really quite interesting. And then the other one is, I remember uh, this terminology from years ago, and it's just so true right now, just based on what you're saying, Alex, hire the tech, hire the touch. In other words, the higher the technology, in other words, what we're experiencing right now because of this pandemic, we're yeah. having to do this. We're having yeah. to do more of the higher, the higher the touch to be around the people to get to know them more. Fascinating how it's just working out like that. Yeah, and I think I think what you're pointing to is is really sort of the, the core of it. I think it was always true, but now it's become super obvious and super explicit. We need much more high-touch leaders than we ever have in the past. And I think the organizations that will recruit and develop the higher touch leaders, I think those leaders will be more valuable. I think they will add more value to their teams, to their organizations, and to the clients. And I think all of us as leaders have to realize, okay, I might be, I might be relatively strong on empathy, compassion, vulnerability, authenticity, all of those things. But wherever I'm at, I'm going to have to raise all of those <laughs> moving forward. So I yep. could be at an eight. I'm probably going to have to be a nine. Or if I'm a, at a nine, I'm going to have to be at, And if I'm at a two, I better get to a five, you know, as quickly as I can. Because I think it. I think when the COVID, you know, when the pandemic kind of goes away, because eventually it will, there'll be a vaccine or, you know, something, something will kind of diminish its impact. That requirement will still be there. Those leadership characteristics will still be important. And in fact, maybe more important post-pandemic hmm. and organizations that are actually doing the return to work and stuff, they're starting to realize they need even more empathy because some people don't want to go back to work because they're worried. Why are they worried? Let's have that empathy conversation. Let's have that compassionate conversation. What's going on for you? So they're realizing they might even need it more post than during. So it's yeah. really interesting. I'm finding it really interesting. Yeah, so what I'm finding is that some of the leaders that I'm actually coaching with who are now going back, because in this part of the world, we've actually come out of lockdown and we've gone back into back into the workplace and people are slowly going back into the office. They're actually struggling. They're finding it quite difficult. And so, A, from actually doing it, again, being around other people, but emotionally, they're drained. Yeah. And because they've been giving, 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 and now they've gone back and now they're having to give more because they're trying to help people get back and and balance. So it's really interesting to see how that works. So, And this is, so this is where the two are coming together. So people need to know that they're going to be physically safe, right? When they, then when they return to work, right? So is there going to be distancing? Is there going to be masks? And organizations are really good at that, right? You, you know, we've worked with organizations and others have worked with organizations that where physical safety, they're on top of it. Accident rates are really low, all that stuff. Here's the thing. That's not going to be enough because people now want to feel psychologically safe. Mm. They want to feel that whatever emotion they're going to feel that if, if they don't feel super comfortable going back to work, that it's okay for them to talk to their boss to say, you know what, Dennis, I'm not su- I get everything. You know, we're putting in the hand sanitizers and the masks and everything. 
and I still don't feel safe. It's got to be okay for them to say that. And it's got to be okay to have that conversation. So it's one of those unique times where physical safety and psychological safety are coming together. And organizations say, we're doing everything we can on the physical side. And it's not enough. That's right. It's not enough because people on top of that have to feel psychologically safe, not just that they're going to be okay physically, but that they can talk about how they're feeling and having that be okay. And that if they want to take a little bit longer or they want to come in for shorter periods of time or or whatever, that that's going to be okay for them to express that. So this is a really interesting kind of time, not just in the history of virus pandemic, but also I think in terms of leadership, I think it's a, it's a sort of seminal moment that we're all going through as leaders. Yeah, excellent. So the show is called Leadership is Changing. When, we, when I say that term, what, what does that, um, that term mean for you? Boy, it means so many different things. Uh-huh. You know, I work in the tech space, and so it's about the fourth industrial revolution, the blurring of boundaries between physical, digital, bio- biological worlds. It's 3D printing, it's genetic engineering, it's quantum computing, it's AI, it's, you know, decarbonization, it's the pace of change. And mm. so it's all of these things. But it's also um, having faith and having hope and marshalling the troops, so to speak, and pulling people together so that there is a process around change, there is a communication channel within change, and that people are included instead of excluded in the decisions that are going to be made that affect how they work, where they work, why they work. You know, we've got five generations, four major races in the world, 195 countries make up this planet, 5,000 plus different ethnic groups, nine time zones, you know, and we all should have one goal when it comes to leadership, and that's leading the people effectively and making sure we keep them apprised of what's going on at all steps. Yeah, uh, oh, nice. And when you say keep them apprised uh, of each of the steps, what do you mean? What, what what do leaders have to do to enable that? Well, it first starts with, you know, being as transparent as they possibly can and keeping the lines of communication open. It's ha- using your IQ to show more EQ and making sure that people realize that you are, quote unquote, in the trenches with them going forward with the changes that are taking place. It's letting them know who they can turn to for support, what the websites are that they need to access the information from, which group of five is going to go first in this process, when will training take place, what resources will be available to them on the first day they log into this new tool, or whatever it is that shapes this change that they're dealing with. It's being inclusive. You know, you talk about diversity and inclusion. You can be a company that's very diverse, you know, having all of the right people in the right places from different backgrounds, different walks of life, ethnicities, races, creeds, etc. But that doesn't mean you're inclusive. That doesn't mean those people come into the office knowing that they're valued for what they do, that they are accepted for who they are, and that they have equal opportunities to thrive. And as a leader, unless you're providing that foundational safety net, so to speak, nobody's going to be comfortable with anything that's happening. And so you really have to always have that at the forefront of what you do. And do you, do you feel that, uh, in your opinion, watching leaders around the world in different organizations, we, we talk about diversity and inclusion. Diversity seems to get a lot of sort of press, if I can put it that way. 
the inclusion, I, I think, sometimes gets forgotten or it's sort of, because it's always the DNI and it's sort of the eye sort of gets left behind. Is, is that what your thoughts and your, your experience has been and, and what can we do around that? Such a great question and one that is becoming more and more important as you point out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We started off, you know, with best of intentions in every entity across the world that we were going to become more diverse. Mm. But again, that didn't mean we were going to be, we were focusing on that inclusive piece so that people feel like they belong. Sometimes these roles are called diversity, inclusion, and belonging, diversity and inclusion and equity. So you kind of get the gist of where I'm going here that we have had to make a shift over the past few years from saying, yeah, we have sexual harassment training. Yeah, we have anti-discrimination training. And that's our diversity program. Well, you and I both know that that's not going to be enough, no matter what the company is that says these mm. these things. So it's getting beyond the checkbox to making sure that as people are being interviewed and screened for interviews, that we're taking into consideration that we want our employee base to be a reflection of what society looks like. When I walk down the sidewalk, I don't know about you, if I look around, I don't see people who look exactly like me from my exact age group wearing the exact same kind of clothes as I am. I see very different people around me, and that's what we need to have more of in the workplace. And, you know, this is the first time in the history of the working world where we actually have five generations in the same building at the same time. So we have to be representative of the generational balance. We want to be representative of the gender balance and people of color and people of all different walks of life and leadership roles. And that's what's been changing over these past five to 10 years, wherein leaders are having to pull their thoughts together around what it means to be an inclusive leader, what it means to provide equitable opportunities, and what it means for them and for their teams and for the company if they are able to pay attention to all of this and hire the right people at the right time. When you when you talk about the five generations in the building right now, you know, this is sort of really quite interesting to hear that. Mm-hmm. When you say the five generations in the building right now, all those generations will will want things different from leadership. So if, in a general though, what do you think they want in leadership? They want that opportunity to be heard and to be respected and to have the chance to stretch themselves. They want a leader who will you know, really make them aware of what the team metrics are that they should be living up to and keep them informed as to where they stand within the team hierarchy. Mm. They also want a leader who is going to go to bat for them, you know, speak for their for them and be on their behalf when there's opportunities for advancement or for additional learning programs that have to be nominated by a leader. And then obviously they want to make sure that that leader is paying attention to what they have done successfully and celebrating it. You know, too often someone goes the extra mile and yet nothing is ever said about it. And that's such a deflating thing for an individual. It makes them feel like, why did I do all that? Why did I stay here late or come in early or, you know, work over the weekend when nobody even acknowledged what I did? 
So leaders have to be willing and able to praise when it's right, to give considerate amounts of feedback that were not necessarily required in generations previously, and to really keep that line of communication open so that their people really know that the open door policy, which has been touted for what, the last 30 years, is mm. a reality. Yeah. Yeah, cool. And I think the the, the big thing I, I'm hearing is is that recognition or that celebrating even success for at times. And I don't know, I don't think it costs leaders much to actually recognize somebody. Just a few words to say, well done, or, you know, recognize them and maybe in front of their peers, in front of others. Uh, if not, just on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but it doesn't cost mm -hmm. anything. But then again, you know, leaders sort of struggle to do it. They're on to the next thing that I've got to get on with, another project, and we're just going to get on with things, right? And it's just like, well, hang on a sec, can we just take some stock and do some celebration here and recognize people? Because that has massive weight in helping people move forward. Oh, absolutely. And we all have read the articles where it talks about how a person who feels appreciated always goes above and beyond. And when you acknowledge their knowledge and their experience and their efforts, they become your ally. And then when change does have to take place within the organization, they'll be on your side of the change instead of one of those naysayers, because you have shown them that you respect them and they respect you in turn. Yeah, nice. On your side of the change, being your ally, that's that's awesome. Do you want those uh, advocates? Do you want those influencers on your side for sure? <laughs> so I thought that was all good. Hey, um, Kevin, the, the the name of the show is Leadership is Changing, and what is when I when I say that statement, what what does that mean for you? You know, I, I was listening to one of your earlier sessions, Dennis, uh, with with Vince Molinaro, and this part of the conversation of is leadership changing or how is leadership changing? And I, and I, you know, my first thing as I was thinking about this is, well, is it really changing? And maybe I have a, a slightly different perspective on it, but I'm not sure that the core elements of what makes a great leader are changing. And we can talk about what I think those are. I, I, I don't have a, I don't have a fully baked view of that. That's, uh, that's unimpeachable, but I think that some of the core elements around being able to, uh, provide a vision, uh, understand people and their motivations and build a team uh, around you as a result, inspire people and hold them accountable, and then for the leader to be accountable themselves. I don't think that those things have changed, and I'm not sure that those things are going to change uh, in the future because I think that those are those are the, the skills of a leader that they need to apply to whichever uh, situation they find themselves in. But I do think that what's going on in the world today, you know, from be before the, the, the COVID coronavirus uh, pandemic, which is going on, the, the, the rate of change from, from technology and globalization and communications has led to those leadership skills being much more important to be on display consistently. And then more recently, the ability to to provide that when you've got a, a team that's not in the room is remote and you're having to make decisions at a speed that you're not used to. I think it's just uh, uncovering who are the better leaders uh, out there rather than changing the things that we're expecting to see from leaders. 
Yeah. So the basic elements are still there. The core elements, as you're calling it, are still there. The But the rate of change, the way things are, it's, it's almost like, you know, how you do something in life and then it will be magnified in the sense that because of, as you say, the rate of change is happening so far, the rate that speed is happening. That Right. And, and, and going back to your words here, it's it's whereby this is where the the real good leaders are actually being shown and and are having uh, are actually being sort of magnified if I can put it that way where if you're not and you're not doing those core items really well you're not you're going to be in trouble so Kevin does that actually have an effect as well on on the organization and the team if that leader is not stepping up uh, I look I think it does because if there's one thing that we need as as we're going through the 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 phase the, uh, mm-hmm. that we're going through now, it's it's something or someone to believe in uh, that there's that there's a better day on the back end of it. And if you don't have that, I, I think it's much more challenging to get up in the morning and uh, and go work for other people or for for the larger cause if you don't have that vision. Yeah, people are looking for a leader that's very strong, or they 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 can actually latch on to and follow that leader. Um, in times like this, even more so than other times, and uh, yeah, so they they are looking for those leaders indeed. Very interesting times. And, and Dennis, I don't think that people are looking for leaders who are infallible, who make every decision correctly. Sure. I think yep. that they're looking for somebody who is authentic and human, and and gets the most out of their team, but but has an opinion. Right. I um, over the weekend we had Hamilton come out on Disney Plus, and so I'd I'd, uh, I'd not seen Hamilton before. But one of the things that really stuck with me is is early on Alexander Hamilton talking to Aaron Burr and the difference between I have an opinion and I want to go and do this, and Aaron Burr with well, you know, it's probably better if you smile a little bit more and keep your mouth shut and keep your opinions to yourself. I think that. It, well, it was shown back then, but I think that that's the that's the difference between a leader who's going to be completely ineffective and and one who's going to have a team that's willing to march through and be successful. Yeah, it's almost like the active leader versus the passive leader. The active leader out there having that opinion, as you say, versus the one just smiling a little bit more and not really being effective at all. Yeah, right, right. Mm, and, yeah. And, and now there are some things that. I think maybe over rotate during this time frame. I was talking to a a, a, a client who's a CIO of a hotel chain here in Dallas, and the conversation we were having was, "Well, do you think that this sense of urgency is actually going to improve decision making? Because it looks like there's much more." There's urgency to make the decisions. People are making the decisions and going and executing them quickly right now. And he had a a fascinating counterintuitive view on that, which was, yes, it's probably in the short term helping make uh, the decisions that you need to make. And at the same time, if we lose the opportunity to collaborate with our teams so that they feel like they're part of that decision-making, then maybe we've lost something. So there are some things, I think, that come from leadership during this phase that are just for crisis leadership yeah. rather than leadership in general, and that, and that might be one of them. Yeah, so the mode at the moment whereby uh, we are in a crisis situation, those decisions can be done quickly, but uh, in a long term, sort of long period of time, they probably won't be applicable because, as you say, you know, what he was saying is that we could lose the collaboration, we may lose some of our team members Mm -hmm. not taking them on the journey with us for sure. Hey, listeners, I trust that you really enjoyed that mashup with those three superb guests that we've just had on there, Alex and Denise and Kevin who have shared some wonderful insights and thoughts around their experiences around leadership is changing. 
Hey, once again, if you haven't already checked out episode 00, go ahead and do that. That's the story of why I have started the podcast. Join us on the Facebook group or the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing, and uh, we would love to see you there. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in a fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes. When they're released, download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. We would love your reviews and rating because it really does help with the ranking of the podcast and that people, more people get to see the podcast, which will be wonderful to have to see happen. Hey, feel free to share the podcast with your friends, your family, your network. And if there's any feedback you'd like to give to me about the show, or if there's a question that you want me to ask my guests as I'm interviewing them, or if you have an Ask Dennis question for the Ask Dennis episode, then feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.